welcome to The Potato Files. I uh, am your host, Jeff Paul, otherwise known as the Human Potato of Comedy. A nice moniker, good uh, Rob Pugh and Hunter Collins combined gave me, so that's nice. And uh, today, my guest is the one and only Mr. Jason Rouse. Jay, how you doing today, bud? I'm good, Jeffrey. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Uh, you need no introduction to fans of comedy. You, uh, you're, you're, you're a bit of a legend, of course, especially here in Taranta and, um, you know, worldwide. Uh, yeah, I've made impressions in various places <laughs> under different circumstances. But yeah, Toronto, yeah, I, I ripped it up here for a few years. That's where you started, right? No, I started in Vancouver. Oh, shit. I started in Vancouver uh, June of 96. Okay. And, so you're uh, fucking, you just passed 20 years, right? Yeah. Nice. 20 and a half now, I guess, around. But um, yeah, no, I... In 93, I was like, I need to get the fuck out of Hamilton. There was really nothing on the uh, near future of a of a future and just moved out to Vancouver. was considering doing something in music or comedy. And uh, after spending time with local bands and being around the scene, realizing that comedy, might, which was my first love, was uh, going to be something I could have more control over and execute myself. All right. Well, um, we'll get, we're going to get started from the beginning. That's what we do on this podcast. We, uh, I'm just going to kind of try to dissect you for the next hour. Sure. <clears throat> Figure yeah. out what makes you tick. Do you know Brian Lanahan? No, I've never met him. He's dead. Okay. I probably won't meet him then. One of my favorite interviewers in uh, Canada. Maybe ever. He's great. All right. Well, that's <laughs> some tough shoes to fill. Some tough dead shoes to fill. Yeah. So you were you were born in Hamilton then? Born in Hamilton, uh, December thirty first, seventy one, and uh, lived there until ninety three. Okay, what was uh, what was growing up there like? What do you like think? Good, good parents? What do you like, think? This is a fucking... Well, I don't know. What were your parents like, man? <laughs> was it a nurturing household or... Uh, it was a Hamilton household. Yeah. You know, very working class. It was, you know, it's like apocalyptic city. So <laughs> you you kind of get products of that environment where a lot of the kids were, you know, single parent households and, you know, not really anything to do. It was a very kind of dangerous place to be all the time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it gave me a definitely a unique perspective than, uh, than I would have gotten in some more other places that were a little more well-rounded, I think. And were your parents, were they together when you were growing up? My parents uh, separated when I was four. And uh, my mother remarried, I think, maybe five years later. I have a half-brother okay, and a sister that's four years younger. And uh, sister's full sister, full sister. You the oldest? I'm the oldest. There's um, my sister's four years younger, and then I have a brother who's 12 years younger. Okay, he's the half. Yeah, he's you guys close. We are not. No, unfortunately, uh, I think just maybe about a week ago, I hadn't talked to him in about two years. So uh, I kind of reached out to him and gave him, you know, I give him open invitations when I'm in town, listen to him around these days, blah, blah, blah. But my brother's very much consumed by conspiracy uh. and uh, all the bullshit that goes along with that. And for me, having noble um, voice in, in society, but when you're not really contributing to the cause and yeah. you're just con continuously showing other people the system 
when you're relying on it. Because if all hell breaks loose, you're going to be wishing that there's some structure and government <laughs> and all that stuff. So because of that, I've, you know, had to distance myself from because it's just relentless. But yeah. he's not a bad guy. My brother's not <clears throat> a, not a druggy liar, thief. He actually did comedy for a short time. It just didn't really stick for him. But no, I haven't. I just, you know. I have a, I, I'm going on over six years. I haven't talked to one of my brothers. Yeah. It sounds strange and weird, but it's uh, it's necessary in some cases. Well, it's the point where, like, because uh, we have a big family, and we we're how many th- in your family? Um, well, just me. I have uh, I have three brothers and a stepbrother. My dad's side of the family, uh, he's there's seven kids. So, and all of them have multiple kids. So, when the whole family gets together, we're pushing forty. Yeah. So now it's like for the last six years, it's everybody's baggage on, on top of that, showing up yeah, all yeah, in yeah. the same spot. All the hidden politics, yeah. and you did this to me, and I heard you did that, and it just kind of hovers. Yeah. There's like factions of family that just don't talk to each other, but we yeah. still all come in together. And um, lie to each other yeah, for the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's great. <laughs> oh my god! Merry it's Christmas. Good to see you again. You cocksucker. <laughs> it's weird. Maybe that's what family is. Is just lying to each other yeah. consistently. Well, I think uh, you can you can choose your friends better than your family, and uh, I don't know. Especially being a comic, you you get friends that become your family, and totally. And yeah, there's there's more, I think some camaraderie through the the uh, the journey of being a comic, and you're like you know you have that same kind of. There's no way around of shitty gigs and ups and downs and the the whole kind of mechanics of the thing. It's very kind of unique experience and yeah. People don't know how sad it really is. <laughs> were you uh were you raised with a religion? I was in a cult for a short time. <laughs> <laughs> Dad was a leader? No, that's there's some uh some truth. I think after my parents split, my mother probably was looking for some sort of, you know, anchor in her life and we were, uh, my sister and I were, were brought to church, you know, for quite, quite a while. And then. Which religion? Oh, it was like, we, I think I was, quote, baptized Protestant. Okay. But I think we kind of went in through various churches, uh, Anglican and. Um, Your mom's just looking for something? Yeah. You know, and, and to me, there it was just the same point of reference consistently. And then there was some sort of. This guy in Hamilton had started, I guess somebody had loaned him a church and he started to build this makeshift cult around it. And um, we went there and for, I think, maybe over a year or something like that. But I hated it. And when summer came, I was I had to stay at the church. There's a lot of brainwash. I wasn't really following the, even at that age, I you, think. You I, didn't buy into any of it though? No, I'm not. That, no, it's good. I was raised Catholic and uh, yeah, I didn't buy into it. <laughs> no, it's like, okay, this is great stories, but I want to see some of this shit manifest mm-hmm. in front of me. And then I discovered LSD and then I saw God <laughs> twice. <laughs> we actually arm wrestled over a scorpion. Was it, how old were you the first time you did acid? 91. I fell in a swimming pool, almost drowned. 91, so you're, uh, you're 20? I think I was 20. Oh, I never, shit, man. I, I was doing it when I was like 16. Never did 15. drugs or drank until I was like 20. Oh, really? Yeah. And then did you hit the ground running? Yeah, I was a little kind of, um, it was a, more of a social thing to go out. In Hamilton, it was like house parties and stuff like that. Yeah. So oh, I, whatever was involved in that. And then, uh, yeah, I took some LSD, but I took a lot of LSD over time. 
like in I went through a phase for sure. I took over 150 hits of LSD over the course of 30 days. Jesus. Yeah, it was like up to yeah. Keep in mind. Are, are you like I, I think you? I remember. Didn't you have to double up if you did it two days in a row? Sure, it does boost. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, it was up to like keep in mind. 12 hits of acid at one time sounds heroic, but I think a lot of it was uh, weaker stuff. So Mm -hmm. unless I built up a crazy tolerance. Yeah. I did one time I did uh, six hits at once. And then like three hours later I did four more and uh, (sighs) it was, uh, it was quite the ride. Yeah. You're trying to just hold on to your life at that point. Yeah. yeah. You know, and sometimes it can be very prolific and and, and nightmarish all at the same time. You know, we were hanging out with some fucking guys' trailer park in Niagara. It was uh, outside. Oh, um, no, inside. I think the 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 inside was dirtier than the outside. Of this yeah, place. you know, you don't want to be high in acid stepping over dog shit next to a porta potty. Yeah, definitely setting the um, the stage for yourself. You know, being in an environment where you're you're not going to be hurt or have somebody in your face going, hey, man, you fucked up. Like, that bonehead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you play any sports when you were a kid? No. No, no. We did, like, you know, that shit you do when you're kids is street hockey and things like that. I was... But never I, organized hockey? No. Well, because we couldn't afford it, you know? Yeah. Tim Horton's camps weren't around back then. <laughs> no. And, you know, it was like 300 bucks for a pair of ice skates or yeah, something. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like 500 bucks before yeah. you put your kid on the ice. So, And then the idea of getting up. I love the physical uh, activity... I was very athletic in the sense that I, BMX and skateboard, skateboarding were my big part of my life for a long time, and I, that's where I found kind of a sense of community and kind of the same, similar, more loyal, I think, community that I have with stand-up comedy. And skaters? And skateboarding and BMX. Downtown Hamilton, core kids, where we're just like rejects from everything. Were you, uh, were you a little delinquent? Like, yeah. Uh, Vandalism, by yeah, 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 tagging, tagging up Hamilton. No, I wasn't really in the spray paint no. stuff, but the sound of broken glass and sirens still oh, yeah, yeah, makes yeah. it electric. Yeah, we had an ongoing rivalry with the local cab company, and for whatever reason, we we would just gravitate towards uh, or grab a hold of some sort of slang. Uh, a lot of the kids were like from you know second generation uh, immigrants and stuff, so we were picking up different slang words from different languages and things that we didn't even know we were speaking you know a half a dozen different pe- broken swear words from different languages from the kids that were we grew mm-hmm. up with in the neighborhood and uh we just had a vendetta against blue line taxis plus they tried to run us over a couple times <laughs> like there were some hit and runs like we go to the local park gauge park and <sighs> throw rollos and eggs and things and then they would chase us through the streets and try it, and kill was us there, uh, there was no dedicated skate parks back then was there Mm-mm. we kind of invented it you know our generation of guys that hung out there was a local wading pool that's well known now beasley park in hamilton where i met a lot of my current friends that i still have there now and uh it was a pool and we ripped out the went and got a heavy duty uh plumber's adjustable wrench and took off these massive bolts that have been grounded uh bolted these slides that went into this curved concrete yeah. kind of scallop almost and uh the uh unbolted the snapped the bolts off the fences that went around and then we just started riding it and then the city would come in and redo Close it, it up all and, and we'd break it up but it was that was once we discovered that 
we could get the steel off of it and just ride the concrete. Mm-hmm. Now it's now it's become this Frankenstein poorly designed park, but I think it's getting a facelift. But no, there was none of that. It was you go to the art gallery downtown and just dodge junkies. Did and- skaters in your generation ever land moves? Because I see the skaters at these parks in Toronto. Nobody ever seems to land anything. Well, that's <laughs> the thing, you know. Those the people think it, it's like do, do they land it? Do they see a lot of falling and falling? But when you develop a, a trick, it's a lot. I apply a lot of the things I learned through like quote extreme sports and um, music and things like that. Like you develop, a, you you get the trick down, and then you try and do it backwards and forwards, and yeah. then build that into an actual run. And it's um, like build the joke. Yeah, so it's the same thing. You're you just know. tagging your trick. I always liked Flatland BMX because it was you could always see a, like a classic BMX move, and then it was linked together with something more modern. And the way the transition reinvented the whole thing altogether. Have you seen this uh, the the BMX uh, track they got down on the lakeshore there? Mm-hmm. It's nice, man. Like, it I, is I like cool. That. It angers me at the same time that we, you know, yeah, we didn't have that option growing no, up. No, we were shunned. You know, I think skateboarding was actually illegal in Hamilton. Yeah. By law. There's still signs everywhere in the city. No skateboarding. No, but in the city of Hamilton, banned skateboarding for a time. That's insane. Because we were, I guess, partly because of the, you know, they, they got into a witch hunt mentality where, you know, there was a lot of damage to public property and stuff, but create a place, a safe place for the kids. Yeah, let them and damage their own shit. Yeah, and uh, and now with that BZ Park, there's they have an internal kind of policing system there the kids are all looked after by the guys that i grew up with mm-hmm. they kind of take care of the kid kick out the bombs the police you know don't come around because the kids are police in their own area were you getting in trouble with the law growing up at all uh a rap scallion in hamilton yeah i got never got in trouble because i was always a little quicker yeah <laughs> i had some you know i think you develop a, a heightened sense of uh awareness when you can see things going in a, a situation where it's going to be illegal. Mm-hmm. And uh, knock on wood, uh, I've never I've been arrested once for running down the highway naked. <laughs> which was, uh, that was, I think, 91, around the time I had taken acid, I think. Because I think that year, my friends have got a, a large watermelon, filled it up with vodka, and I don't know how many hundred hits of LSD. Jesus. Well, people were coming over to our camp, and it was all caught up. And they're like, watermelon? I love it. And coming back, what the fuck? Ah, losing their minds. Um, Did you get arrested buck naked? Yeah, <laughs> me and uh, three other guys, we decided at Sobble Beach is a Becker's, if I remember, downtown. I know and that the, Becker's. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah that Becker's. So you know where the hideaway is? Yeah. Okay, so we pull up, we drive in. I took the bus to Kitchener. We drove, got out of Kitchener late to drive to Sobble Beach. Our friends were in the cabins across the street from Becker's. I think if that's the front door of the Becker's, the cabins are here. Yeah, yeah, yeah does yeah, that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I'm talking 90, 92 or so. And uh, I don't even know if they're still there. So we decided to leave our things at our friend's cabin and just start walking. And it's like a 30, 40 minute walk maybe from the Beckers to the hideaway. Oh, the hideaway bar. Yeah. No, the hideaway campground. Oh, yeah. 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 There's hideaway. There's white sands. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. We were going to the hideaway. That's where our friends were. But it was like a hundred and something bucks to go in and all this stuff. So we just went in through the woods. Mm -hmm. About a third of the way, once we got it, it started to get a little darker. 
we just took off our clothes and put our, our bags and walk with our six packs and we're drinking beer, pissing on the road. People are, <laughs> families are, you know, ah, what the fuck? Ah, yeah, we're from out of town. You know, pissing on the road. And then we see the cop car just start pulling over the shoulder. He grabs my friend. He goes, you're under arrest. My friend's like, what? He goes, yeah, for what? And he goes, uh, indecent exposure. And uh, my friend's naked. He goes, I got my watch on, you know, like... <laughs> So our, uh, they charged us through us in the thing and then let us out. And then we had to come back for a court case, which was the highlight of it. Because the court case was following, uh, it landed on another long weekend. <laughs> so we were going to be up there. So we, we were a lot at the bottom of the, the hearings that were going on. But they were all arrests had been done over that long weekend. So it was assault. A reunion party. Assault. <laughs> Uh, you know, a guy, he broke his girlfriend's jaw, punched a cop in the face. Another guy drove a car through the liquor store. And they're going through, and everyone's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and it's just a violent crime, violent crime, raw assault, boo, 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 boo. And then they get uh, John, our shepherd, Jason Rouse, blah, blah, blah. They call us in, and they, they appoint us a lawyer. And he, he goes, well, what happened? They go, well, we're just pissing at the side of the road, blah, blah, blah. And then the the... The, the description of the they had to tell you what the police saw or what was the um, what do you call it um, um, the report the report yeah thank you <laughs> the report as they're reading report as they're going through it's written like a, uh, like an opening monologue and a talk their people are dying <laughs> they're naming our names our towns and they're saying all this stuff scaring passerbys <laughs> with their genitals and people are like oh fuck just get these guys assholes out of here and then our judge turns to us and goes, you did that? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, it's in the report. So we we got a, a small charge and I tried to hit it, I hit it, try to hide it from my family. And I remember my mother getting the, the lawyers, uh, uh, the court uh, charge thing, the uh, payment form for it. Oh, okay. And she'd open it. I got busted right at the very end. <laughs> so I came clean on it and... Uh, that's but fun. yeah, so when you were arrested, you were so you're buck naked, but you have your bag of clothes, which so, came to haunt me thirty years later. Yeah, yeah, we had them in uh, little so you, uh, duffel bags. The cop was like, put some clothes on and get in the car. Or did he throw you in the car naked? I think we were all sitting with like I think we were managed to get our pants on, so we're just sitting there like some weird eighties, uh, uh, you know, comedy was, movie yeah. or something. But yeah, and then I pissed all over the uh, waiting or the holding cell, and. Um, yeah, there was some, uh, there was fun. I think we all went back. Oh, I pissed. He goes, I pissed in my cell too. <laughs> Stick it to the man one drop at a time. Oh, that's good. But yeah, no, that's about it. And which, uh, when I went for my uh, green card in Montreal and for the final thing after a four and a year, four and a half year process and a lot of paperwork. They brought that up. They go, he asked you, have you been arrested? I'm like, no. And he goes, are you sure? And he's like, don't fuck this up. <laughs> I'm rooting for you. And I said, well, yeah, I was, you know, but it wasn't charged with anything. He goes, okay. They, it was just, they have everything on you. Yeah. I don't think I've uh, done anything. Uh, actually, I've been thrown in the drunk tank a few times, but. Uh, violent I, behavior under the influence? Not violent, just. Uh, sloppy. Yeah, sloppy. I, I tried to run from the cops one time and I fell in a ditch. It was, uh, I was pretty drunk. Yeah, running from the cops can be very lethal. I had a friend that ran, and he didn't see a chain that was across uh, a thing. And Ugh. flipped over and smashed his, and drove his nose up under his fucking skull. Ugh. Cleaned his teeth out, too. 
Fuck. JK. I can't remember. <laughs> I just remember that. He had like Bruce Dickinson hair. Perfectly straight, long, 80s Iron Maiden hair. <laughs> and he, he looked like he was in his 40s when we were in grade nine. I think he was 40. Maybe it was my teacher. Um, so you didn't drink or drugs, nothing like that in high school. What uh, Did you go to college after high school? I did. I actually ended up getting a scholarship to Humber. The the comedy program? Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Late 90s, I was looking at, okay, watching interviews and seeing what people in my... You'd you know, already started comedy though, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like headlining. Like It took maybe about four years. And then you went back to college. No, then I wanted to learn how to write for TV and film. Oh, okay. I wanted to learn structure and kind of basic mechanics of television and film and and more or less trying to figure out how this, what I do, will, will I can put it in a language that I can bring to networks. Mm-hmm. Than, I got this great idea I did on a napkin. And um, so uh, Yakyaks gave me, uh, sponsored me for the summer program. And then after being in the um, that summer program, I was like, shit, I really, to get to a next level here, I really need to go and do a bunch of things I'm completely uncomfortable doing, like acting and things yeah. like that. Mark helped set up a showcase, and everyone came down, and then I rocked the room. I think Martin Short was there. Shit. Which was cool because he was from Hamilton, so I was trying to show off a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted, I didn't, I didn't, couldn't afford it, you know. And I, I, I knew that there was about half of it I would retain and uh, a third of it that I'd care about. But I knew that um, at that point in my career, it was important to uh, develop some other skills mm-hmm. besides getting a standing ovation in Peterborough. <laughs> That's really not really what my goal was. Yeah, yeah. So, who's your early influences for comedy? I Jim Carrey, you know, was very much, uh, you know, when I'd seen in Living Color and very bits. I remember looking back now, seeing him on small television appearances in Canada and Ralph Ben Murgy show yeah. and things like that. Alan Thicke, I think, had had him on. And so, Jim, but then I watched, you know, Annie at the improv and. You know, comedy at Club 54. You know what I mean? <laughs> Good old Ben Guyot. Yeah, it, it sounds silly, but at that time, it rivaled A&E at the improv, you know. That's I all we had in Canada for a bit, too. Yeah. I think comedy-wise, you know, I always enjoyed the explosive stadium rock guys like Kinnison and Dice. Yeah, yeah. And, I was a you huge know, Dice fan back in the day. Yeah, so, and which I got to work with them, like... Last year, I did a, a special with him. He hosted for yeah, Showtime. I, I, I saw that, and uh, that was that was kind of a cool little moment for to go and from listening to his records to to yeah. have him say your name and stuff. So yeah, no doubt, man. Oh, uh, were you always dark? I've always kind of uh, loved things that made people uncomfortable. Like right out of the gate, you were just like fucking. Yeah, because I think it was a conscious choice. You're like, this is the way I'm going. No, not a conscious choice. I just always gravitated towards it. I think because I was so timid and shy when I was younger, that it was like, do I want to live in fear or do I want to be feared? Yeah. <laughs> and I always enjoyed the the things that were like well done that were not necessarily appealing to the masses and seeing different artists and especially in music and. And also, again, with this skateboarders and art, we're all very creative, outside the box people. 
just because it's not on TV, it doesn't mean it's not relevant kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it allowed me to go down roads that people would, were completely unfamiliar with doing, you know, stand-up and stuff. Did you ever have any, um, like, clean stuff on the side if you needed, like, if you needed a clean set? Yeah, up, up until, you know, 2001, it was cheeky and... You know, oh, there'd be a bit of that. But then after, yeah, once I moved to Europe and I got to go and travel and and see how my places would work in 12 different countries over the course of, you know, a few years Mm -hmm. and and then going back because of it, it, I realized that I kind of developed this kind of niche thing for myself and some people embrace it and, uh, but people come out, they get a little... Yeah, hey man, that wasn't dirty enough. Like we've come out for this shit. And I'm yeah. like, fuck. What do you? How far can I push this? So it, it's just uh, a constantly reinventing the dead animal. <laughs> it's very pet cemetery. You uh, you moved on the headliner real quick too, right? That wasn't my choice. People having a hard time following you. Well, no, some of the uh, the clubs had people were coming. They want to see this. Yeah. Well, Breslin loves the dirty too. Yeah, Mark likes social unrest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? If you know, Mark's always up for a good fight. So, um Norm was just on Stern uh a couple weeks ago talking about Breslin. Oh. And he was saying how Breslin used to give Kinnison a bonus if he could clear the entire room. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I remember hearing great. that story ages ago. <laughs> what Mark explained to me was that Sam was you know, like, fuck, I'm sorry, you know. He goes, well, I'll give you a bonus of $100 every time you clean out the room. So he cleaned out the room every night. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that that's, that. if you came to any other business with that pitch in a pitch meeting, yeah. they're like, how is this going to benefit our country, our company? <laughs> but the fact that we're talking about it now and that Norm <laughs> has mentioned it, it's worth the, the $500 that maybe Mark paid out. Yeah, uh, in yeah. advertising and in, in echoing through history. So. Yeah. And those people leaving, they're not, uh, they're leaving in disgust, but they're going to tell somebody. Totally. And you're, they're still talking about it. Totally. And then people are like, fuck, I got to see this, man. Yeah. And look, and this is before Sam was what Sam became, you know, mm-hmm. it was just on, I think on his upswing of his, uh, his career. Very cool. Yeah. Mark, so, you know, I think what it really comes down to, it, probably some of the politics Mark doesn't even agree with or give a shit about, but he always backs up the, the talent. So you, uh, which kind of created a, a monster because Europe, they don't really have those kind of hangups on sexuality or religion and, and um, things that are really touchy in North America. They don't have that same kind of mm-hmm. politics, which is great. So it allowed me to go down those roads even deeper and deeper. Would you go Europe or LA first? I moved from Toronto in 90, or sorry, 2003, I moved to England for five years. Then I went to New York first, and then that snowstorm hit about f- seven years ago. And there was like police cars oh, and buses shit. all over. Yeah, I, yeah, moved, yeah, I, I was remember. in Williamsburg in the middle of the apartment. I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> and then I moved to LA. That was a long time ago. We don't have winter anymore. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's going to be brutal. Yeah, so yeah, then I went to New York and then Los Angeles. I've been in L.A. since, yeah. yeah. Oh, so I was in Sweden for a couple of years off and on there. Yeah, I heard we when you were in Sweden. Is there a good market over there? Or? I think out of all the Scandinavian countries, probably Sweden's. It's usually, for me, for ticket sales, it would be like Denmark. It sounds weird. It almost sounds backwards. It'd be like Denmark, Iceland, and um, then it would be like Finland, 
Norway, Sweden. And you're in all in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their English is fine. <clears throat> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I was like the first English-speaking comedian to perform in Finland. Really? But everyone understood you. Fine. Yeah. Fine. The only time they didn't is when I was too drunk on stage. Oh, okay. And I slurred a bit. But even then, they were half fucking ripped. Half, they're hammered before the show started. How sad was it to lose Bamberg? I know. That was pretty bad. And just out of nowhere, the guy died like a champion. Yeah. Just like his brother made a post. Oh, guys. Uh, yeah. This is Eric's brother on his Facebook, and Eric died. Eric was very clinical. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right to the fucking end. He just cut himself off the earth like a mole. We uh, we roasted that kid uh, right before he left. Oh, great. And uh, when his his retort, he got about 11 applause breaks. Oh, he's a killer. Two standing, but it was just like uh, he called Dreadly a piece of loser. A piece of loser. <laughs> what kind of piece of loser? Yeah. And, but it's so articulated, even when the, it's the, his, his, idiot, uh, his quirkiness and his, his language and his, the way he structures the sentence. It's, he's great. He was yeah. great. I, you know, I met him uh, in Sweden. That's where he made, I think he just started doing comedy and um, he was saying, I'm going to go to Toronto. I'm like, I go, there's one guy. Just, I gave him Brian O'Gorman. I go, yeah. O'Gorman, and then it will all kind of trickle out from Oh, there. he trickled out. Yeah. He, he was became, only here for a year. It seemed like he was... Yeah. It was a part of everything. Like it was, Because he was so invested in it and really, truly loved doing comedy. Yeah, and still going to school every day, too. Yeah, I mean, not a lazy person. Very, mm-hmm. very Swedish. Got his shit together. And funny. He was funny. Re- he was running jokes past me for the roast and for K-Trev. He said, uh, what do you think of this, uh, Gay Trevor Wilson is grossly overweight. Like, okay, where's the joke? He's like, that is the joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. His thought process is it, there. There's weight on all the words, mm-hmm. and I think uh, because English is a second language, he's they. There's more weight to where we talk. It's it's in muscle memory almost. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. <laughs> what did you say? Could you write that out? No. I, I, what were we doing? You know. So he. Uh, I always like that. This, this especially the Swedes. I think are more even um, sharper in that way. He's typically Swedish comedian. Mm-hmm. You ever been in a relationship like long term? Yeah, I've been engaged twice. Engaged twice, eh? Swedish girl once, and uh, and then some cunt, I think. <laughs> uh, Were you ever actually in love with these girls, or was yeah, it just yeah. a I, wild I think I've been, in, I've been in love probably, I don't know, maybe five times. Yeah. Is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, yeah, about five the, times. Does your persona on stage, does that translate into your real life? Like, are these relationships... Just as crazy yeah, I'm a as bastard. Yeah, but like you're insane on stage. Um, Is it? Well, it's not insane. It's just, it's out there. It's crazy. It's not. You know what I'm talking about? It's it's no no. Explain it. It's uh, well, I would, I'm always curious because I'm maybe not. I'm not aware. It doesn't seem crazy to me because you said it so many times though like i i honestly <laughs> fucking love it i'm a dirty son of a bitch just like you on stage mm. but i uh like i kind of leave that stuff for the stage you know and i uh like i live my- no i know what you're saying i was just curious on what your what your observation was but yeah it, it, it can be a big problem yeah just i get like crazy mail death threats yeah. you know people think because of 
the way I am on stage, uh, that gives them license to say and do certain things. And it does attract some of the wrong people sometimes, but I've become a little more recluse because of that. I'm not as, uh, we're also getting older too. It's not, yeah, just fed up. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sometimes, but now I think maybe five years ago, but now it's, it's different. Yeah. But it does attract certain types of people for sure. A lot of fucked up. Yeah, I've, I've dated some crazy fucking women, and it, it's fun for a while, but then at, at certain at certain point, you're, you're like... You're kidding yourself and the other person involved. Yeah. You know, it's temporary. The backswing of that is usually a lot more painful mm-hmm. and uncomfortable than your delusion of where this might go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I can be accused of being uh, cold and uh, maybe honest. Mm-hmm. Not everyone wants to hear that. Girls don't like honesty. No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, but then, you know what? I try and, you know, be straight. And then if it doesn't resonate or uh, if there's not a, a note taken, then there's, you're really wasting everyone's time. You know? What about like uh, like currently? Are you seeing anybody or no. it's just... No. Like how would you go about finding a date? I don't go on dates. You I know? do actually do. I've been on some dates. Like you're I not swiping swiping Tinder all day, are you? Just no, I never get. I never my uh, thing. It doesn't work on like social media stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's usually girls I've just taken out on like platonic dates, you know, with no real agenda other than I enjoy the time with a person and yeah. when I'm in the city or something. So. But traveling, who wants to be just with go somebody? Home and jerk off with your gun in your mouth, right? Yeah, <laughs> I got a, a flash, uh, a flashlight that's like taped to a door frame <laughs> with a clown mask. Perfect height. <laughs> yeah, I just run at it from the hallway with the old mud javelin. Uh, but no, I'm not interested. I, I've enjoyed my uh, being single. Yeah, you know, I have no kids. Never been married. Mm-hmm. You know, I my lifestyle doesn't really help you know maybe at some point but I, I don't really see it and kids are i'm no no children one abortion but no children yeah hey me too are, have you calmed down in your older days like out, like <laughs> not off the stage or not on the stage off the stage like uh i do the same thing i've always been doing you know i still go see shows mm-hmm. i'm always working yeah, yeah, yeah you know i sleep for six hours and then i get up and do everything that makes me feel good okay and it's usually rooted around doing stand-up yeah, I was performing and I did, I didn't know if because we're we're I got you here at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday I'm like is Rouse even going to be up at one o'clock well, you would assume but I'm I you know I usually go to bed I assume because I had to wake up to come here I don't want to I don't want to be out I don't of bed mind this early. it now you know I I quit drinking so the mornings are not a really an issue you oh, know yeah, I, haven't you drank for I haven't drank since New Year's really yeah and how you feeling better it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's quite. I, I quit for like six years. When I first started doing stand up, I stopped doing everything. And then uh, when I moved to Europe, drinking became more of a social part of the uh, the culture and stuff. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. You know, went in Rome. So I, I decided to take some time off. I uh, I find it like just being in comedy, there's a lot of drinking. Like most of the time, you're getting free beers just for showing up. And it's uh, it's a hard yeah, thing. Plus, to- guys want to get the party going. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, that's what I try to explain to people. This comedy thing is not like a, a team thing. You have your community and stuff, but you know when you're getting fucked up every night and you're not really working on your craft, 
And then you get in. Well, every night I go and get wasted on a Wednesday at so-and-so pub after the show. And that becomes habit forming. And then you start doing it. And then you, your things fall between your fingers. Mm-hmm. What about you doing any drugs lately? Or I always do drugs. I always do drugs. Now we're going to give that up. <laughs> I smoke marijuana every day. Oh, it, me too. It helps with uh, my quality of life. And especially being in California, there's a lot of options for like edibles and things like that. So sometimes mm-hmm. I'll have chocolates and cookies and whatnot. And they are delicious. Well, yeah, that's what I, I, my weekly show at the underground, I pay everyone with a pot cookie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, those cookies. <laughs> I, I was exactly thinking about that very cookie. It's in my mother's fridge <laughs> or in her freezer. And uh, which, oddly enough, I, I gave her a piece. I split a cookie into four pieces, gave one to my sister, one to my mother, and then I ate the other third. Well, my mom didn't think it was working. So she went and ate that the third. And yeah, had, that's what happens. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> give it, it takes longer. Yeah. It's not like a toot off of a, a joint. It has to kind of go through your organs and then all of a sudden the party starts. Mom's still in Hamilton then? Yeah, mother's still in Hamilton. And dad? Dead. Da- dad's dead. Of a- dad dad's died. Dead. I was on my in a taxi on the way to the Laugh Factory to showcase for the factory. Oh, and I got the call. But it went well. I ended up getting do, on. Do you know it was coming? Yeah. I'd been back a few weeks beforehand and said my goodbyes. Mm-hmm. He was dying in uh, uh, lung cancer. Lung cancer? Smoker? And, uh, smoker. Do you smoke cigarettes? Occasionally. Yeah. I put tobacco in with my weed, but yeah, that's, yeah. I'm slowly phasing that shit out. I quit smoking like six years ago, but I don't know if fucking... The drinking, I don't know. It's just... You like the cocktail or two? Yeah, I love, I love beer. It's not like I'm, I'm not hammering whiskey. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even need to get drunk. Like, I'll get a little buzz, but just a couple of beers. Are level. you into, like, the craft aspect of it? Or, like, do you have your... I'm not, like, uh, I don't really care about craft beers, but I'd like a good beer. Yeah. But I'm not, like... If it comes across, you'll give it a sip. Yeah, I'm not, like, well, this one was brewing. Yeah, like, I'm like just, like, wine, hey, yeah. Wine taster. Yeah, like, my uh, my go-to, I'll buy a, buy a case of OV and just... Like right now in my fridge at home, I got Molson Stock Ale in my fridge. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Do they still make Wildcat? It was like 8.3. No, I remember that though. Yeah. That was, uh, I remember <sighs> living in Niagara growing up. We, I think we called that Hamilton beer. <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah, Hamilton or Wildcat. Like you'd see somebody drinking Wildcat. Like, what are you, from Hamilton? <laughs> yeah. Lakeport. There was all kinds of- Steeler? Steeler. <laughs> yeah. No, I always liked like, I would drink a lot of gin yeah. the last- for about five years there, lots of gin. But yeah, it was Pints of Cronenberg and Stella in England, you know, just everywhere. Boom, boom, boom. Stella in England is, uh, they call it wife beater beer. Yeah. And here we just put it up on a pedestal. Yeah. But it's, it's like, funny. That's like you go around the world and people are like, oh, they sell Molson Canadian here. And like, you should see the fucking degenerates uh, that drink that shit oh, back yeah, home. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, well, that's the thing when you're in various countries. If you like beer, I, I, you probably already know this. Belgium has really good beers. Belgium's I was, great, I was uh, drinking Duval, which was really strong beer, but it was delicious. I had one bottle, and mm-hmm. I, you were fine. I, don't, I can't remember what the alcohol kind of, but I was like, I think that's my favorite beer. I'm saying this publicly. <laughs> Duval is my favorite Belgian beer. And I remember I was doing a, a TV show with Wellmont in, uh, in Belgium and Ghent. And they, unfortunately, the guy died, the producer, but he was giving us all these joints to smoke. He's the producer of the show. We're in the loading dock, smoking joints and doing shots with him. And we're getting ready. He's he's completely being unprofessional, and it was awesome. <laughs> and it made the show fantastic. 
and uh yeah yeah that was a long time ago but belgium yeah yeah i remember going through uh i did uh like a little trip through Europe, just Germany and uh, Netherlands. But the beer is just, you can drink a hundred of them, wake up the next morning, no headache. Clean. No, no. I think yeah. it's a cleaner thing they got there. Well, they got the, there's only four ingredients allowed in their beers. Like by law, you can only put uh, hops, barley, malt, and water. That's all you can make in your beer over there. Where in Canada, you're allowed oh, to put, you're allowed to put up to ninety nine different ingredients in your beer. Ninety nine. Yeah. Who sits around? Who needs that? That's fucked up. The man. fixes in all the chemical companies get kickbacks because it's probably yeah. preservatives and. Well, that's what I do like about like poison. going back to craft beer. I do like Steam Whistle because Steam Whistle they go by the European like they're like we're just doing four ingredients and it's uh, you can drink a lot of those. But if you buy a case that's been sitting in the beer store too long, it fucking tastes oh, like shit. Oh, does the chemicals up the ante and the alcohol content? Because I know, oh, American beer's got no... You just no, I don't think it's, it's got anything to do with alcohol content. It's got preservatives. Like, it'll last longer. So Shelf life. That's yeah. what it is. We got to keep this on the shelf until it sells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no respect for the craft mm-hmm. bastards. Your act is... Fun and crazy, and you know that. How long does this last, though? Like, how you're pushing 45. Can you do this into your 50s? Yeah. Yeah? Like, you, this, you'll this, you take this right to the grave. I could take this to the grave. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've got a plan, and uh, I've got a few more things to do. Mm-hmm. And as long as I'm able-bodied, take care of myself, and I don't fuck up and have a family, what do you, I can do whatever I what want. What do you do to take care of yourself? You hit the gym or are you active? Yeah. I, when I'm in town, various places, like I'll go work out with Boomer. He lives down the street here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of the hotels and stuff. But at the least, I just do like body weight exercises and yeah. yoga and things like that. You eat well? I eat very well. Yeah. I Nothing white and nothing out of a can. Yeah. I, uh, as much as green stuff as i can when i hit the grocery store i i hit the produce section and the meat section that's pretty much it i don't uh, i don't go down the aisles i don't want anything out of a box but i still my problem is just fucking being out every night snacking yeah snacking like after because i don't want to eat dinner at home go do a show um like i want to eat after the show it's it's a matter of Mm pre-planning it's like okay a bowl of almonds on the table with some dried fruit because i know before i go out in an hour, I'm going to want to go and get a full awful made yeah. of dog shit. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I do. I just have a lot of more healthy snacks and bowls and bottles of water around. So yeah. it can pick at stuff and not worrying about the backswing of it being shitty. Mm-hmm. Your dad died of lung cancer. That's because he was a smoker. That's not tough. Aneurysm. Is and, a uh, lot of stuff going on in the family like that? or uh, No, my dad was an alcoholic, which inevitably killed him, but... That's uh, uh, my mother's side or my father's side. It's like alcoholism and mental illness. So I think I got a little mm-hmm. A, a little B. And in the middle, there's some comfort in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun times, man. What about pets? You ever have a little dog? I did. I got ran over. Oh, man. I am just opening some wounds. I you. remember that, too. I must have been about four years old. I think it was a beagle or something. And it ran from the house. In Stony Creek at the corner of Millen and Highway 8. And uh, he got ran over. Jesus. <laughs> and then a dog. Oh, what was his name? Major. He was like a lab. But yeah, I love dogs. Yeah, I'm a dog man. I'm, I'm a total dog guy. I love dogs, especially when I'm traveling and stuff. And friends of mine will all house sit for them. And they have like a dog or something like that. It's always fun to hang out with them. Mm-hmm. So what's next for you? 
Where you have to, uh, how long? I'm going to find out tomorrow. I, yeah, to I was LA. thinking about this on the way over. It'll be either, I'm going to go to New York uh, on Tuesday, either New York or Los Angeles. If I go to how LA, long have you been in LA? Since I got my green card in nine years ago. Do you have a place there? Because you haven't been there in months. Like, yeah, or do yeah, you I got just, a place in North Hollywood. So it's still it's still there? You got somebody living still in there for there. you? Still there. I got a friend taking it on and uh, my stuff's, you know. So you're, not just, you're not just living on the road out of a bag then? No, I did for a year. After, the first year I moved to LA, I was so like unfamiliar and just a lot of waiting. I went from a repetition I was used to for, you know, 15 years. And then going to the hurry up and wait scenario in Hollywood. yeah. Uh, I went on tour for a year. I remember that. I booked a 12-country tour and just went everywhere. Put all my shit in storage. I go, fuck it. I put it in storage for two months. Okay, I'll put it. I may as well just go for a year and get back so I can kind of be present in L.A. Because I was just scratching my head the first year going, where do I stand here? You know, there's no... You know, well, it's weird going down there. Out. Like after you establish yourself somewhere, and then you show up somewhere, and they're like, "Well, who the fuck are you?" I'm like, but I'm, yeah, they I'm don't killing even, it up there, guys. Yeah, but they're not even saying who the fuck are you. They're like, back, back of the, the line. line. Yeah, what, but, but, but back of the line. <laughs> no, but, but I'm, I'm pretty talented I'm from Canada. <laughs> back of the line. But those guys are open micers. They are behind them because they were here first, <laughs> yeah. and there's a thing. But you can leapfrog that just through hard work and. You know, mm-hmm. there there is a long line when you show up, but there's a lot of people entitled and think that they deserve a place. Yeah, people. That's why a lot of people don't like hanging out at the comedy store. But I love it. It has a very Fight Club kind of mentality where you know we've have the best comedians in the world coming through here, and you think you can take somebody's job? Good luck. Have you gotten to the level now where you can just show up and? Not the store. No, the Laugh Factory and the Improv have been very good to me. But uh, the store, you know, I go in through backdoor productions through like Death Squad and uh, the Naughty Show and they'll do the um, secret shows and Red Band's had me on like the porn award shows and stuff in Vegas and things mm-hmm. like that. So with Sam Tripoli and Brian Redband, they've always been uh I've met all cool those guys. Joey's me. brought them through for uh, at the underground. Yeah. Good, good people. Yeah, they're great. They're great. And Sam was on the tour with me and Ari Shafir. For that monsters of comedy thing that we did seven years seven years ago this month, we went from Hollywood to Hamilton and made a little film. <laughs> uh, it never. Uh, I think we're waiting for someone to die so we can release it. But <laughs> it was uh, a lot of fun. Um, so you, you find out tomorrow where you're heading next? Yeah, I'll be either to New York to work on my Tonight Show set, <laughs> which I'm serious. Really? You yeah, got, you're in talks. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm it's a lot of polishing, eh? Totally. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. I don't have anything to polish because I have to start over. Yeah. Start from scratch and completely do Cater what I, it for. Totally. Yeah, tr- I'm not going to try and crowbar my old bullshit into a, uh, it has to be me. It has to yeah. be for them and it has to work. Well, that's what I hate. Like, uh, like I, I've got my jokes that are inherently filthy. But there's like, well, I can tweak it this way and maybe the CBC will like it, you know? And I'm just like, do I want to do that? Yeah, yeah, just shit can the whole thing. Start over. <laughs> really, start from, hello, how are you guys doing tonight? And work from there. Yeah. Because uh, trying to, I think it's a, a lazy 
scrap like a, a square peg in a round hole kind of thing mm. and you're trying to wiggle it in well just get rid of it just get over start with a new board game nice. but yeah i'll start over and everyone will be surprised and, and shocked for a different reason for a change all right well hopefully by the time we finally upload this podcast to the internet um you can uh, you'll be on the Tonight Show, so mm. go check out Jason Rice on the Jason Rice on the Tonight Show. Um, where else can people find you? We're gonna wrap this bad boy uh, up. Here. You can find me on Instagram at Jason Rouse six six six, Twitter Jason Rouse six six six. You go to my website. I have my own podcast called Jason Rouse's Safe Word. Nice. You can uh, check that out on iTunes and um, new cool shit coming up for the new year. So I'm I'm really excited about what's uh, what's about to uh, come. I've sat down for the first time. Uh, well, when you said acid. I was reading a book on quantum physics and I took LSD and then I had an epiphany. It sounds so cliche, <laughs> but I saw where I was going to be over the that course of a 10 to 15 year period. So now I'm getting ready to go back in the tank and I've <laughs> figured out a, a rough, uh, actually pretty detailed plan, what I have planned for the next five years. Yeah. And uh, I need a, a, an LSD experience to jumpstart that. All right. Well, let's go fucking drop some and hit the park. <laughs> Done. Let's go pet those dogs. All high on acid. Um, your hands are my retarded son. We'll take the Christmas hat off of him. Looks like Rudolph. Uh, uh, too funny. Well, um, I'm uh, I'm very grateful that you would uh, you would grace yourself in on not only my podcast, but you did my show a couple times. We're yeah. in Toronto. And thanks for being, uh, allowing me just to kind of come in and, and go on. I know, uh, it's a, it's an awesome show. Oh, thanks, and to man. be honest with you, your shows are the only ones I haven't bombed on. <laughs> I usually bomb there. My, uh, my audience is pretty, uh, they're, they're up for anything. They're yeah. a little older. Yeah. They're a little more well-rounded and I think they're genuine comedy fans. They are very. But they all kind of come in. They're all from all over. You can see yeah. different things going on, but they're all come there to see the show and yeah, the shows yeah, yeah. are always great. Yeah. Thank you very much, man. Well, you, uh, you got an open invite anytime. That is mm -hmm. dope in my comedy every Wednesday at the Underground Comedy Club. That's where you can find me. I'm Jeff Paul. Um, you want to find me on those Twitter things. It's at Jeff Paul comedy. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing for Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. We are on the never sleeps network right now. So check out, check that network out. There's a bunch of different podcasts going on there. So visit the website and, uh, Jason Rouse again. Thank you very much for coming in. No problem. Um, Thanks for having me. Jeff. Had a blast, man. That was a good talk. Cool. Cheers guys. See you next time. Bye-bye. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.